Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And now it's time for me to welcome on to the show... Texas Railroad Commissioner Wayne Christian. Commissioner Christian, welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Honored to be here with you. Thank you for the invitation, Kim. Welcome back because you've been on the show before. And right now, it's a pretty important time in Texas. The Texas legislators are meeting, which is only every two years, and they make changes in our laws here in Texas that really affect the oil and gas industry and your regulatory agency sometimes as well. And it's only every two years. So session's important to all Texans as it should be. The role the Texas Railroad Commission plays is also a very important role that we should all understand. So before we get started with uh, getting into session and asking the role of, uh, you know, the commissioners, the, the Railroad Commission, tell us a little bit about the commission. What is y'all's main core focus here in Texas? How many are there of you guys? Just kind of briefly tell us the overall agency structure, please. Right. Well, basically, number one, Kim, the Railroad Commission now has nothing to do with railroads, okay? And that is important. A lot of people, thousands of people do not understand that. It also, I think, defrays from some of the uh, power we have in the state of Texas because people don't regard us. We're one, the Railroad Commission itself is one of seven statewide officials. The governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, land commissioner, ag commissioner, uh, comptroller, and the Railroad Commissioner are the seven uh, statewide offices that people elect across the state. And we are the only agency that's constitutionally uh, promulgated, okay, by the Constitution. So there was a real value that our forefathers saw in having the Railroad Commission of Texas. Number one, now the Railroad Commission consists of Jim Wright from your area, super gentleman, and thank you for sending Jim. He is, he is a great uh, asset, a professional that knows the industry, knows the details, and cares about the common working man out there. He's a, he's a real hero. Christy Craft. Christy Craddock, of course, is uh, from Midland, Texas, which is the, the hotbed of oil and gas in the world right now. And she is, her family has been in oil and gas for years. Her dad is the dean of the Texas House. And that is a family that has dedicated their lives to service in the state of Texas. And we want successful professionals that know the industry and the business to be in those positions. And so Christy and Jim are both professionals in the industry. Their families are a public service. And it's sad to see some of our uh, lying media, like the Houston Chronicle and Dallas Morning News, that keep talking about what they want are a bunch of unqualified people that don't know oil and gas, and that the, and they want to limit uh, the industry itself from contributing to the railroad commissioners. And I'm thinking, okay, you want a, a railroad commission of unqualified people and only supported by people that don't like oil and gas. That would result in great benefits to the citizens of Texas. And, and the railroad commission itself going on is, is of course uh, three of us serve. We serve staggered two-year uh, elections, but we serve six-year terms. And I'm honored that the folks of Texas just entrusted me again for my second term. And so I'm serving another six years before the next election. Uh, Christy is next and then Jim and then comes back to me. So that's kind of the cycle of the Railroad Commission of Texas. The Railroad Commission of Texas Forbes Magazine stated is beyond question the most respected regulatory agency for oil and gas on planet Earth. And I think we, we don't regard, Texans love to brag, 
But I think many times we don't understand that Texas itself right now, if we were a nation, would be either number three or number four in total oil and gas production on planet Earth. We are right now, Texas, the number one producer for oil and gas, the Railroad Commission of Texas, the number one regulator for the free market world, number one. And Texas has right now the obligation to protect the free world. The LNG coming from Corpus Christi right now, which by the way, is about to be tripled or quadrupled in the amount, mm -hmm. is absolutely the, the answer for Western Europe, Germany, England. I mean, Corpus Christi and Texas are the life chain for the free world today in our governmental world crisis. And I think we don't understand that's Texas. That's the Railroad Commission. We regulate basically every mineral God gave us pretty well in the ground. From the time it's in the ground, producing it out of the ground, piping it out, delivering it to the eventual user, which are the electric generating facilities, the refineries. But we, are, we, also, reg, we also regulate and, and distribute natural gas all over the state of Texas. So the Railroad Commission of Texas represents one third of the Texas economy, one of every 10 jobs, all the rainy day fund, all the permanent school fund, all the higher education, all the public education, and a large chunk of the uh, several billion dollars we have in Texas. In other words, oil and gas is the gift the good Lord gave Texas that makes Texas, Texas. And the Railroad Commission of Texas has the job of re regulating that, making sure it goes to the benefit of the citizens of Texas. Well, thank you for explaining that, because I think that the Texas Railroad Commission, as long as it's been around this agency. It's a model that we see over and over that even other countries ask our elected officials uh, in the commission to explain to them how it is set up because it is pretty, it is set up pretty much to be uh, a model that can be dropped in anywhere. And like, as you stated, if, if we look at uh, states like California, and what they have done to their reserves, that they're either paying higher for it, more taxes, they're regulating it out of um, existence. Um, it it kind of seems like that state is really being punished for moving away from, from the oil and gas sector and trying to move too quickly into kind of unproven uh, in the way of dependability and reliability the renewables. And so Californians are paying more versus if we look at Texas and the need for us to provide not just here for our state and for the for the United States, but also our global allies, as you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. um, it's an important agency that we need to really respect and understand. Uh, it doesn't really have anything to do with railroads, like you said, but it sure does play a very important role. I want to get I want to drill down, if you will, into why it's so important, because I know you know, Commissioner Christian, you know that there are listeners that love the Houston Chronicle, and and there's nothing wrong with the Houston Chronicle, but they follow. Well, there is. Yes, there is. <laughs> yeah, they follow this formula that you know oil and natural gas needs to go, and we need to move away from it. And and so there's a lot of misinformation on is it good, is it bad? But before we get into like is this good or is it bad? Well, let's just start by having every Texan who's listening understand what it kind of means to them. Now, you're a strong advocate for oil and natural gas, the industry. Um, and actually, uh, you're always going out and telling the audience what, why we need to support this. And then at the, 
at the same time, though, we have so many media reports, as you mentioned earlier, that this is, you know, climate change and it's killing the planet. But the reality is we cannot get off of oil and gas. And it's and there's a lot of problems. It's a complicated, uh, very scientific uh, problem we're dealing with. It isn't that simple. And if a newspaper or a media outlet says something and somebody believes that, they're not understanding the entire problem. So first of all, tell, tell me as one of the biggest advocates for the energy industry, why is it important that we remember that we need oil and gas, especially here in this state? Well, mostly because we do. Uh, prior to oil and gas, was say 100 years ago, it was about 18, 150 years ago or more, was oil and gas was finally discovered over in Europe to, to do steam engines. Understand, prior to that, human and animal labor was the energy that was provided to the lords and ladies of the world and the dictators and the rulers. And it was oil, gas, and coal that freed mankind. That, that's how basic it is. Every country that has oil on planet Earth is richer than every country that does not have oil. It's a natural chemical invented by God, delivered to us from dead uh, dinosaurs and plants, thousands of years old. There's nothing unnatural about it, totally natural. And right now, uh, you can look back the past 100 years, and it's, it's, it's so easy. There's a book called uh, uh, The Power of Bad. And, of course, news media, politicians, and special interest groups love to tell you what's wrong with things. And, frankly, that's what happens with oil and gas. Everybody ever tell oh, this is wrong, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. Any intelligent decision is made by, here's the good, here's the bad, what are the weight, and you go with the decision when you compare good and bad. But Alex Epstein's a, a young man that has a book uh, called uh, Fossil Futures, and he's done research tremendously on the fact that he found on fossil fuels, there were more good than bad. In other words, you look at the past 100 years, the, the, the uh, folks that say, oh, climate change is the greatest catastrophe that's coming before mankind. That's false. Climate change, we used to call weather, and climate changes naturally. And yes, Mother Earth isn't a friendly animal, she is a violent, unpredictable beast that mankind, through the grace of God, was given dominion over to take care and make sure that it was used good and efficiently. And so the press seems to have made everybody believe that their people in oil and gas are trying to destroy the earth and harm the earth and destroy. I have never met, Kim, any individual in the oil and gas industry or anywhere that I know of that says my goal in life as an oil company or an oil and gas executive is to destroy the land out here. That's, that's insanity. We, more than anybody, just like farmers and ranchers, we care more about Mother Earth than probably anybody else because that's what our, our, our children, our grandchildren are going to rely on for the future. And it's made us a more civilized place. Let me give you one last example. Uh, my dad, 100 years ago in Texas, his family was in agriculture. By the way, 85% of Texans 100 years ago we're in agriculture. Why? It took the families working six days a week, daylight to dark, to farm the land, provide the food, and then take off on Sunday, go to church, and come back Monday through a Saturday. They worked daylight to dark. The death, the death average in the state of Texas was about 45 years of age. Almost every family in the state had a child under five that had passed away from diseases for which there were no cures. Mm -hmm. The three largest killers environmentally at that time were hurricanes because people didn't have any way to get away 
there were starvation when the food didn't come in and people didn't have enough to eat. And it was freezing to death during the winters when there wasn't enough wood and the elderly or really poor or sick children, it got too cold and you couldn't keep them warm long enough, they would die. That's right. What's the difference today? Today, only 1.5% of Texans feed a third of the world. The rest are able to achieve the American dream to attempt to do what they dream of. Average life spans 85. The three largest causes of death now in 100 years ago, my dad and them were farming. Right now, do we have uh, people freezing to death? No, we gripe because the thermostat's a degree or two off up, whatever. We no longer right. have people starving to death. We have an obesity problem. That's What's right. the difference in that 100-year, Kim? Oil, gas, and coal. And modernization of it. So let's take a quick break. Commissioner Christian, we return. I want to drill down a little bit more into why this is an important resource for everyone listening to the show. Oil and gas is basically where it's at. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to an Old Pat Trader Show, and we'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Commissioner Christian of the Texas Railroad Commission. Uh, Wayne, before the break, you were really talking about a great book that every listener should go get from Alex Epstein, which is The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. And he has a new book out, too, which is a fossil fuel truth. He really makes a great argument about um, it's, it is a moral case. Do we here in the United States get to sit here and think that we get to tell indigent countries like Africa or where else that their children don't get to live as long, uh, they don't get the right to live from birth because maybe they don't mm-hmm. have access to enough power for their incubators or they don't get access to clean drinking water because after all, it's good old oil and gas that cleans the water systems and stuff. It's, it's, it's a moral case that he raises and we have to look at that because we don't have enough energy for the world and yet we're talking about taking it off from what they say now is climate change. But remember, it used to be called global warming and they yes. couldn't really spin that anymore. So now we're switching it to climate change because it's much of a bigger, ambiguous type of word that people won't really challenge well are we really getting hotter and having to really put the science to the test if you will is this really global warming and as you mentioned earlier haven't we always had hurricanes tornadoes and mother nature has always been a problem so when we say that we need to really think it's not that simple and so I'm trying to get everybody to understand who listens to the show it's a very complicated topic and there's many things to consider and there's science that backs this up that not only does the oil and gas industry their their modernization of how they're doing things are actually lowering their own admissions and we need this energy to provide it to our allies in Europe and the world we need more energy, not less. But let's drill down back into Tex, uh, Texas here. Texoga, the Texas Oil and Gas Association, released a report, their 2023, in which we have some history-making numbers of how Texans benefited from the oil and gas industry. Um, some of it was that the industry paid almost $25 billion to the state in local taxes and in state, and in state royalties. And by far, that has been the most that Texas has ever received from the oil and gas industry, shattering previous records of $16 billion that were set in 2019. 
And you mentioned earlier in the last segment, the rainy day fund, which I guarantee you a listener does not know what that is. So I want you to go into that. And I want you to explain what do we get to do with that money that our good old oil and gas industry, besides saving the world and their energy needs like Europe, what do we get to benefit from it, the people here in Texas? We, we're able to tell the federal government when every other state, the federal government decides, okay, you got to do this this way or we're not going to fund you any money for your highways. We're not going to, if you don't do it the way we say do it, you're going to have to do this, that, and the other, and you won't get any education dollars from the federal dollars and your schools. You won't get any food uh, to go to your children because we're in the federal government. We're not going to fund you. Texas can pretty well thumb their noses and say, hey, federal government, we're not going to do it your way. And if you're going to keep your money, we can afford like few, if any other state to say, take this money and shove it, right? No other state can do that. And we have that independence of Texas because of one thing, fossil fuels, oil, gas, and coal. We have right now, the, the Permian Basin presents 200 years of energy for the United States at current demand. That's clean, plentiful, reliable, and cheap energy. And so what, what that dollar does for Texas, that gift that God gave us, allows Texas to sit back and say, this is how we want to educate our children. This is how we want to do things. And we are able to do it even when the federal government is forcing other states not to. That's why we have a thousand people a day moving from California, New York, everywhere, coming to Texas legally. And no other state has that. Why are they coming here? Because we don't have to have the income tax many other states have. Why? Because we have the taxes coming from oil and gas that no other state has. Why, why are we able to, to have the health care system, the roads and bridges? Do you realize that uh, we have enough farm-to-market roads in the state of Texas? We have more miles of farm-to-markets that only Texas has than the entire United States has interstate highways. That has no use by the federal government in doing that. No other states except Texas has those type of benefits and privileges, and people are flocking here for it. And my prayer is we don't take it for granted and allow it to be taken away from us by a world order that, that is desiring to shut the United States and put us in secondary status in planet Earth right now. Now, Commissioner Christian, I know there's one of my listeners that's saying, but, but Commissioner Christian, wait. Uh, yes, all these great things. But, and so I get to use them, but what about climate change? What about, what am, what are we, what am I leaving to my children? Uh, you know, if we don't have a planet, what good did it do me um, by doing this? And I, I'm going to give you about a minute to answer that because we're going to have to go to break, but it's not, it, it, go ahead. Tell a listener what you think they need to know about. The past 100 years, we've decreased environmental deaths in the United States by 98%. Okay, at the same time, we've seen the temperature go up one and a half degree. The environmental extremists and our president is telling us, oh, the world's going to go up half a degree by 2040. We've got to do something about it. Okay, we lived through a degree and a half for the past 100 years. In the last 50 years, every poisonous chemical by the EPA that we've been threatened with has decreased by 77%. We are the cleanest industrialized country on planet Earth. How did that happen? Because we, God gave us three important tools to defeat an uncertain climate, to defend our children and grandchildren from an uncertain climate. Guess what those were? Oil, gas, and coal. And they are asking us, the environmental extremists, to ask us, okay, we got a half a degree coming up after we've already survived one and a half degrees and benefited. 
we're going to do it now without the tools that we have to defend us from an uncertain environment. So the logic is asinine in that particular scenario. Well, that's good. That's why we exist as we sit there and poke holes and things that just don't make sense. When we get back from break, I want to talk about ESG, environmental social governance. Everyone's heard that. I want to get on the topic of energy transition as well a little bit. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to an old patch radio show. We'll be right back. In the oil and gas industries, you don't just need a workers' comp provider. You need a workers' comp provider who understands your business. That's Texas Mutual Insurance Company. At Texas Mutual, they've created the Texas Oil and Gas Association Safety Group exclusively for businesses involved with exploration and production. That means you'll have access to information and safety resources that fit the way you work. But the advantages don't stop there. As a safety group member, you'll receive a premium discount on your workers' comp. Plus, you can qualify for double dividends. You heard that right. Members can earn an additional dividend on top of the one you receive as a policyholder. It's all part of Texas Mutual's commitment to working as a partner with the businesses that keep our state running. Texas Mutual and the Texas Oil and Gas Association, two great organizations that are even better together. To see if you qualify to become a safety group member, go to texasmutual.com slash T-X-O-G-A. And we're back. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Commissioner Christian, a regulator or a commissioner of the Texas Railroad Commission. Sorry, not regulator. Commissioner of the Texas Railroad Commission. Uh, Wayne, before the break, um, you know, we were talking about the benefits that Texas alone has received, the uh, resources, the taxes to be able to fund our schools, our roads, our uh, EMS, uh, special services, uh, elderly people who need help potentially with something. All of these tax dollars come in and help benefit the citizens of Texas. It's important to recognize that the rainy day fund really matters. Let's switch gears and talk about ESG. Um, For our listeners who don't know, we're talking about environmental, social, and governance. And it is a big topic because almost every company, even if they're outside of oil and gas, is talking about ESG and they're pledging a net zero. So I want to break all that down for our listeners. But before I give you the floor, I want to tell you, I did interview a couple of weeks back, an executive from BlackRock, Rich Cassell, who came on the show and basically said that it's not BlackRock that's penalizing the oil and gas industry if they put money where their where their uh, customers tell them to and that their customers don't want fossil fuels they don't want fossil fuels what do you say to that well he's 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 denying his fiduciary responsibility as a stockbroker for about 35 years now uh we have a fiduciary responsibility as does his company that if he's doing something that's not beneficial to the earnings by his shareholders he needs to advise them of that and if he's not telling them the last 40 years that uh, those funds that claim to be ESG funds are, have returned 25% less since 1960, and since the ESG funds came in, compared to the standard and poor average that his shareholders, retirees, citizens are supposed to be earning, they've earned 44% less. Why is this? Because their chairman, Larry Fink, is a member of the World Economic Forum with George Soros and Al Gore and John Kerry, and their desire is to remove the United States. It's called the Great Reset is their policy. 
Energy, according to Greenpeace chairman who spoke at their 2021 convention, said that energy was the World Economic Forum's target now because COVID advanced them in shutting down the United States as the number one superpower. And now they were working on energy. And what has happened since John Kerry became energy jar, czar for uh, them, these ESG funds have shut down 90% funding to our oil and gas industry. So we have less money to fund because these environmental, social, and governance funds. Real quickly, what is an ESG fund? E is for environment. If you're for oil and gas, your E score is low. What is S? It's social. If you discriminate in your hiring for uh, race, sex, or religion, it's against federal law. But these corporations now brag they have so many women, so many men, so many uh different whatever categories they have. It's called Marxism, by the way, when you divide a society into different categories that compete against each other, they're doing that. And so if you discriminate according against federal laws, your S score is high, okay? The G score is for governance. Wall Street Journal editorial board came up with an article a month and a half ago that said those places around the world, those countries around the world are that our democracies are being diminished because there's poorer countries, the World Bank, which is a part of this World Economic Forum, is saying, if you don't increase your ESG score, poor country, we're going to take money away from you. So they stop doing fertilizer to get their e-score up and people start starving and they destroy democracies. The Wall Street Journal quoted this, not me, that democracies were falling around the world because the World Bank through the World Economic Forum was stopping financing to them. So that's Environmental, Social, and Governance Fund, which the state of Texas has basically outlawed some real heroes in our legislature that have done what you mentioned in making environment ESG funds not be able to participate in any of state tax dollars, retirement funds, and other vendors. That's very interesting because um, it'll be interesting to see as the whole energy transition uh, discussion and the movement, if you will, starts to unfold, especially looking at ESG. And how it's actually going to cost us more, not less, uh, to mm-hmm. be doing this. There's, there's that component, too. It'll be interesting to see how this, how Texas actually comes out of this. And I think we're going to come out on top like we usually do. Let's take a quick break. I want to come back and talk about ESG and tell you a little bit about what I noticed at Sarah Week, which just passed a couple of weeks ago. Uh, let's take a quick break. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. And we're back. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Commissioner Christian, one of the great 
Texas Railroad Commissioners. Wayne, before the break, you were explaining to us what this ESG is about. Um, I attended Sarah Week, I guess about two weeks ago. For me, the theme was very much driven around energy companies, even the large ones. Um, people from all over the world came in, dignitaries. John Kerry was there, of course. Um, uh, uh, the transition is occurring. And, and everybody had a different slant on it. There was a lot of hydrogen buzz. There was a lot of ESG buzz. There was a lot going on. And now uh, President Biden uh, continues to side with his, uh, I guess, voter pool, his uh, the people who give him a lot of money for his campaign, the Democrats. But he is basically continuing to support radical energy policies and line up with his environmentalists. And I guess what I want to ask you is like, what do you think the impact um, is going to be with this administration on our state and on the economy? And are we already seeing it? Because, you know, we're starting to see banks, um, Silicon Valley had a bank, the SVB, uh, Cal, I might need to correct that, but we are seeing some problems in the financial markets as a result of this. Where do you think this goes? Well, of course, it goes back to Joe Biden and the World Economic Forum and John Kerry and, and George Soros and Al Gore and uh, all these folks there uh, that are sitting here destroying the United States of America as we know it. Frankly, that's what's going on. They're trying to, and they've been quite successful the last two years. We yeah. saw the United States go from the number one producer of oil on planet Earth, and we were totally energy secure. And in two years, he's destroyed that. And now Texas by itself is saving the state of the United States of America and the free world, literally Texas, because we had less public land than the other state, more private land producing that the president couldn't restrict. And so that's why we keep going. And boy, they're fighting us to restrict it every single day. Uh, where I see it going is, is we need to defend. My problem is I see our own industry, our friends, and, and frankly, you look back, Kim, I think nobody really saw this idiocy coming, that we were going to destroy the power of the United States, surrender to China, uh, all of this, and tell the United States to quit producing. We're the cleanest producing country, state, on planet Earth, industrialized country. And yet we're going to shut down the state of Texas, the United States, in producing energy and turn to China, Saudi Arabia, and Russia, the dirtiest of places, and think we're cleaning up the environment. It's pure hypocrisy. The logic is not there. So what, what's happened is our industry, sadly, has surrendered. Our industry says, well, we can claim we're going to be lower carbon and shut down carbon dioxide. It is totally debatable. Is carbon dioxide good or bad? It was by a five to four decision of the Supreme Court, which Judge, uh, our great Sam Alito, uh, judge on the Supreme Court wrote the dissenting opinion back under the Obama Supreme Court saying there's nothing, you can't declare carbon dioxide a poisonous chemical, it's a natural substance. But we did. And so now we're going to have a lower carbon future, which by the way is the goal of the Paris Accord, which we've been fighting, which says uh, all the crazy stuff, $78 trillion, hundreds of thousands, millions of jobs worldwide. And so we joined with our industry by saying, oh, we want a lower carbon future. Why? because Joe Biden has $380 billion coming to the United States under the Inflation Reduction Act, already has billions that came through the uh, Infrastructure Act, and all these companies want those billions of taxpayer dollars to make money with. 
And so they're using our own taxpayer dollars to destroy our own oil and gas industry, which is the open goal of the administration. And so we're committing suicide with our own tax dollars in the state of Texas. And the amount coming ahead scares me to death as your railroad commissioner. How are we going to defeat $380 billion headed toward us from the president, from our Congress, to destroy oil and gas in the state of Texas? We need to put up a defense. What do you think that defense is with today? Um, this week, we actually had a, a victory, if you will, in Washington, D.C., that we actually have um, a statement coming out from a, uh, a XPC uh, and Bradbury about House Bill 1 passing through the U.S. House of Representatives. What bill is this, uh, Commissioner Christian, and what is the hopefulness coming out of D.C.? Do you think the Republicans are finally waking up to see this is a, you know, we cannot, we cannot lose our grip on oil and gas here and give it to a country like China. I know there is no listener listening that feels comfortable with that statement right there. And yet, in some ways, that's what we're doing, because to rely on uh, wind or solar, if you will, that these parts are coming out of China and they can, we saw what happened in COVID when they just shut down and were refused to sending us masks and they were making medications over there. Are we going to do this again to ourselves, but in the area of oil and gas and move to solar and wind? I'm not saying I'm against it. I'm just saying until we can manufacture it here and we know that it's reliable and we can manufacture it, I don't think we should be sending anything off to China and depending on- Let me make one thing clear, Kim. I'm all for, for, as are you, I believe, free market competition. What I'm not for is the government funding one side over the other. And mm -hmm. we have spent in the state of Texas over 90 billion with a B on it, Texas tax dollars, 60 plus, per, 60 plus billion with a B on it, federal and 22 billion state the last 20 years to promote wind and solar, not natural gas, oil or coal. And during Storm Uri, a good example, Wind and solar went to zero and 6%. Natural gas had to make up the difference. And 95% of the folks that turned on the gas valve during URI got it because natural gas saved Texas. But we've about two years almost since that time. And guess what? We've built more wind and solar in Texas. We have retiring natural gas generation facilities, coal generation facilities, and built no nuclear. We are increasing population 1,000 people a day, which is demand, while we're decreasing supply of reliable energy. Wall Street Journal published an article of mine a month after Storm Uri that said what's happened in Texas is we've spent so much money supporting unreliable energy, we let the pilot light go out on reliable energy. But Kim, we're still doing it today. Well, let's let's go back real quick because it is breaking that HR1 in Washington, DC has passed the US House of Representatives. Um, and it seems to be a win for the energy industry. Do you think that that the Republicans in D.C. are finally willing to stand up to this administration and say you're not going to destroy the oil and gas industry? Or, or what are your thoughts on how how important well, uh, HR is? important. The, the problem is, Kim, is just like we, we the Congress, House and Senate passed the bills stopping a lot of the provisions of ESG funds we've already discussed. And guess what the first veto of President Biden was? The stopping ESG. What do I think of House Bill 1 or any other thing that happens? The president has the final pen on this. And that's the thing. So I don't have a lot of faith that the good work 
of our heroes in Washington right now in Congress, they can pass every bill you want to. But guess who has the final say? Joe Biden, John Kerry, and their clan. And I don't have a lot of hope in that. So I'm, I'm trying to say, how can we defend ourselves in the state of Texas? And that's where I don't see a lot of folks coming together. Okay, well, that's a good stopping point, because when we get back our last segment, I want to give to you to talk about what is happening here at, uh, in the Texas legislature and what bills or what do we want to talk about that potentially could help the oil and gas industry and keep Texas strong with oil and gas. Take a quick break. You're listening to an old Petch radio show and we'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest is Commissioner Christian of the Texas Railroad Commission. Uh, Wayne, before the break, we talked a lot about Washington. We talked about the policies that seem to be really um, not benefiting uh, the United States, uh, very anti-oil and gas, if you will. And it's 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 pretty scary what's happening right now. And But we did talk about the great wins that Texas seems to be having. Uh, the taxes that are being raised and how it's benefiting the tax, how it's benefiting Texans. But we also know that we may be facing a big storm. We have a lot of people moving into this state very quickly. And we see that we might have a problem with the power grid again in the future and being able to keep the power on for all the Texans. Now we have session, which meets every two years. Tell me as of the Railroad Commission, what are you guys focusing on and what is your hope that we accomplish in this session? Well, of course, what we're looking at is we have some real heroes. Uh, Representative Hunter, a lot of the folks, your senators, representative in the corpus area are heroes, as are, I believe, the majority of those that are working in the Texas legislature and our leadership. Uh, Governor Patrick has introduced some great bills to defend Texas on this ESG mess. We have Brian Hughes, state affairs senator, senate chairman. We have a uh, uh, Senator uh, Representative Birdwell uh, and uh, Representative Phil King, Senator Birdwell, Senator Birdwell and Phil King in energy that have fought ESG. So the, our, our leadership in Texas is doing a great job of standing up on that. Uh, where I see a real problem is uh, how do we defend ourselves against $380 billion coming down? Listen to this. Al Gore said whenever that in- Inflation Reduction Act was passed out of Washington last year, he said, we have worked 40 years and dreamed of a day of this. We now can declare victory. That's Al Gore declaring victory with this money coming after it. Something's bad about this. But I think bipartisan in the Texas legislature, I hope is to defend ourselves. It's just, this is so big. One thing I want to advise, I was in the legislature 14 years. The thing about being in the legislature is you're the jack of all trades and can concentrate on so few things. I have the benefit now as railroad commissioner of concentrating on energy. And so I go to the legislature during this session advocating that we stand up for every bill that defends oil and gas, those workers and what it stands for, because it's so important for us to realize, again, that a third of our economy is that. For every dollar they fund oil and gas, Kim, the state of Texas returns $78 for every one they fund. So if you're nothing in it but for the money, oil and gas is where to go for the state of Texas. So fighting them is very important. Uh, the, the challenge I have to them is the industry, and many of them say, well, we've lost that battle to our shareholders, as you've mentioned before, with BlackRock Express. I remember an old story that uh, General Patton, a speech he gave during World War II. He said, if we only fought the battles we knew we could win, we'll still be under British control. And how true that is. We as Texans can't surrender this to the Greenies. We can't surrender this to Al Gore and his veto pen. We've got to stand up. But honestly, I commend the state of Texas, our legislature, our representatives, our senators, I think are doing a great job. In fact, even the Democrats, when we talk negatively there, 
Many of them are so friendly to oil and gas, we understand that. At the State of the State address, uh, address down at San Marcos a month ago, the governor gave his speech about the state of Texas and his view, and the rebuttal that came from the Democratic side included a slide that said it was a Texas oil derrick, and, and the Democrats said in that slide, we must defend Texas oil and gas and those hard workers in the oil patch. Texans unite over what's great in Texas. We just need to start educating. You ask what I'm pushing in Texas, the Railroad Commission, I've asked because our industry is not, our 80% of the oil and gas in Texas comes from independent producing companies, not from Exxon, Conoco, our friends that are internationals. A lot of people look at the big boys and say, that's oil and gas in Texas. They're great friends. We love them. They're partners, but they're not, they're not the voice. They're playing international trades. They're playing to their boards of directors. The ones that stand up and fight are those 80% of Texas companies that sit here and work the rear ends off are Texas citizens and families. And so I've asked the budget in the state of Texas legislators to give the Railroad Commission a budget, much like the Ag Department has to, to advocate for buy Texas first in food, to buy Texas oil and gas. And what's good about it? Frankly, under President Trump, the Department of Energy under Rick Perry had allowed me to get with them and produce a booklet that said, here are the benefits to oil and gas. And we had Emmett Smith contracted to be the spokesman for the U.S. Department of Energy and advocate nationwide what was going to be great and why oil and gas was good. To counter these negatives that the Greenies and the Bidens and the Carries all throw up at us every day. And so in Texas, I've asked for a budget for a, for a educational and public relations division for the Railroad Commission of Texas that allow us, like my podcast that I'm doing right now uh, at uh, christianfortexas.com or on my Facebook, you can get our podcast. I'm going to add to it uh, public service now, education program for our children and teachers uh, to share the expense of maybe some broadcast and commercial uh, for stations such as yours to go out across the state with a common message of the good that God gave us in oil and gas production. So that's what I'm working on as far as a railroad commissioners get that budget so that I can get this message out you and I are giving today. You know, there's two things that I want to leave for our listeners. One is, you know, the Strategic Petroleum Reserves is at its lowest it's been in 40 years. That's another problem for me that, the, you know, if you go back and you look, I remember my dad always told me, you know, one of the main reasons why we were able to win World War II, I, tell me if I'm wrong, was because we had an abundance of energy to get our tanks and planes up in the air. And now I got a point for you real quick, to support your dad. 80% of the oil and gas that when World War II came from the state of Texas, Kilgore, Texas, big inch, little inch oil, oil pipelines. And Winston Churchill quoted at the end of World War II, it was a sea of oil from East Texas that helped win World War II. Your dad was right. That's right. And, and I'm saying we now have a president in office who is strangling the oil and gas uh, industry that uh, is refusing to refill the strategic petroleum reserves. And I don't know about anybody listening, but I don't feel very safe in the way we're living. We've got Russia invading Ukraine overnight. Uh, you know, there's just a lot going on. We shouldn't have that reserve low at all. And, and then I just kind of think what is happening here in Texas, we need to stay focused on our energy policies and make look, sure that Look, look at the hypocrisy on Joe Biden on that one. He's against oil and gas production, but has taken more oil from the strategic reserve than all the former presidents combined. Why? To make sure the price of gasoline didn't go up as much in the midterm elections as possible. And now he's using it again. He's opening up some 
fields up in Alaska. Why? Because he's thinking of running for president and wants to restrain until he gets elected again the price of oil and gas, because oil is not just oil. It's 6,000 products in our society and the delivery of them. And Joe Biden has used the strategic reserve for his own political ambitions. That's right. And, you know, you mentioning Alaska, I actually had an opportunity at Sarah Week to talk and to listen to what Senator Sullivan, representative from Alaska, Lisa Murkowski, and um, Manchin, and everyone is saying the same thing. It shouldn't take five years. And poor Alaska has got a lot of federal land, unlike Texas. It took five years, billions of dollars of investment from Conoco, and it barely made it by, went through two administrations, Trump. There is no science to have knocked it, and yet they still wound up taking it from a five-pad to a three-pad, barely passing, just so Joe Biden, the president, could reward his campaign donors and at the same time not kill the project altogether and if that doesn't signify that we need energy reform in dc i don't know what does look at the keystone pipeline we need to be electing elected officials that have sound energy policies as opposed to people who don't even know what the heck they're talking about like it's crazy thank you for joining us today on in the oil patch radio show and we look forward to having you back In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.